Welcome to the Institute of World Politics podcast. IWP is a graduate school of national security and international affairs. To learn more, please visit www.iwp.edu. Good afternoon. Um, we're so glad you could join us for this lecture at the Institute of World Politics. Um, for those of you who are new, IWP is a graduate school of national security and international affairs. We have five master's degree programs, 18 certificates of study, and a new doctoral program. If you're interested in learning more about us, please feel free to speak to one of our staff members at the conclusion of this event. Um, really quickly, um, there's going to be a drawing for, uh, sponsored by Visioneer. There are two prizes. Um, if everyone could put your business card in, um, I'm going to start passing it around after I'm done with this. Um, and we'll collect it, and there'll be a, um, a drawing after this event, and then we'll move into the reception afterwards for some mingling. Um, okay. Our speaker today is Joe Billingsley. He's the founder of the Military Cyber Professionals Association. Um, he's an adjunct faculty um, at the George Washington University. He's an advisor of the Cybersecurity Forum Initiative, a fellow at the Center for Network Innovation and, and Experimentation, and a special advisor of the peer-reviewed journal Military Cyber Affairs. He collaborates with organizations including the Atlantic Council and Smithsonian Institution. Uh, Joe is an instructor for the Cyber Intelligence Initiative, CI2, here at IWP, and this May he'll be teaching a course on cyber strategy development. Mr. Billingsley is an Iraq War veteran and former U.S. Army strategist and cyber operations officer, having graduated programs at Army War, War College, Naval War College, Military Intelligence School, and Army School of Information Technology. He holds a BA in History from the University of Connecticut and an MS in Cyber Systems and Operations from the Naval Postgraduate School. And he's also pursuing a PhD in Information Sciences. Please join me in welcoming Mr. Billingsley. Good afternoon, everybody. I'd like to start off first by uh, thanking the team at the Institute of World Politics, um, everybody who came together to bring us all together here today, um, <clears throat> and especially the, uh, the Cyber Intelligence Initiative team, uh, led by Mr. Dean Lane. Uh, very much looking forward to get started with uh, the course being taught in May here. In addition to that, Walt and the team at Visioneer, uh, again, thank you very much uh, for the support uh, to make this happen today. It's actually extremely fitting uh, that you're sponsoring this today uh, because as I was growing up, what uh, kept a roof over my head and food on my plate was my father working operating Xerox machines his entire life. So it's very fitting that Visioneer is, is in that business as well. And for everybody here in the audience today, uh, again, thank you very much uh, for spending your, your valuable time and for anybody who might be watching later on YouTube. So for our talk today, this is the agenda, and uh, I'd just like to, uh, to remind everybody that I'm actually speaking uh, as myself here and not uh, as a representative from any other organization. So first of all, what are we doing here today? 
Uh, obviously, there is a lot of news about Donald Trump, has been for many, many years. Um, there's a lot of statements that he makes that a lot of time generates uh, that coverage. Um, there are many people, it's just a fact, uh, that believe it is not in their interest uh, to support uh, Donald Trump in one way or another. That may be because of political rivalries. That may be because of uh, international rivalries. It is what it is, um, but that's the assumption that I've been operating under uh, in this research effort. Um, that naturally leads to a lot of content being put out there that may be misleading, uh, not only counter to uh, interests uh, or success of uh, of the current president of the United States, uh, but maybe also embellishment on the positive side as well. <clears throat> so going forward, my intent here is to consider his actual statements and actions, all unclassified, all from open source uh, materials, uh, with the overall intent of better understanding what his perspective is considering uh, cyber conflict. So we in the national security and national policy uh, community can do a much better job at anticipating uh, what's coming in store from him. So essentially what we're doing is, uh, is we're cutting through a lot of the noise out there and trying to distill uh, the signal from that noise. A lot of noise, of course, comes from Twitter, uh, which we all know that President Trump is a prolific uh, tweeter. Uh, so he was an early adopter of Twitter, if you want to consider uh, Everett Rogers' um, communities of, of different uh, innovation adoption uh, over the lifespan of a particular innovation. Um, <clears throat> so in the past nine years of him tweeting, he's, uh, he's put out about 27,000, over 27,000 tweets. Uh, and that's of, um, from yesterday's count, actually. So on average, that's over 11 tweets per day, over a nine-year period. And uh, wow, that's, that's actually quite a bit of, uh, of noise out there. And uh, actually, if you consider, you know, today he has about 50 million followers on Twitter alone. So that being said, uh, with some basic math, uh, you can figure that there's over almost half a billion tweets uh, that are being received by folks out there that are being sent by Donald Trump every single day, which again, a lot going out there. Sometimes there's, uh, there's good stuff in those tweets. Uh, sometimes there's a lot of things that, that may prove to be distractions. Uh, for example, who can forget Kofefe? But if we are looking for the content there, uh, a simple search through his tweets over the years uh, can uncover actually some uh, consistent messaging and thoughts uh, concerning cyber and cyber conflict in particular. Uh, these are just some uh, that I was able to, to dig up here uh, along this uh, research effort. And I will just uh, read off some of these starting in 2011. And all of these being um, uh, sourced from, uh, from Reuters, a uh, relatively uh, uh, reputable uh, news source. Uh, the Chinese military is already hacking our satellites. The Chinese government is not an American ally. From 2012. China's been hacking another U.S. government body. When will we learn? From 2013, China's top academics are working with the People's Liberation Army in cyber espionage of our state secrets and R&D. They're laughing at us. So again, pretty, uh, pretty consistent uh, messaging there from, uh, from Donald Trump. 
on Twitter amongst all that noise. <clears throat> Further, with social media, he uh, he realizes the power of it, as indicated in a in a sixty-minute interview uh, shortly after actually winning the the presidential uh, election. In that he said, "I have such power in terms of numbers, with Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, etc. I think it helped me win all these races when they're spending much more money than I spent. I think that social media has." much more power than the money that they spent. I think to maybe a certain extent, I proved that. So we can all recognize uh, what he's doing with uh, by leveraging social media, and that is proactively shaping the information environment to achieve his tools. Um, he, you know, it's, it, it's worth saying that uh, all these uh, social media outlets that he leverages, uh, again, to shape the information environment, they are cyberspace-based and cyberspace-enabled. So, and if you consider that a critical capability of his to use uh, military planning terminology, then uh, it would be logical that it's very much in his interest that he would want to uh, expend resources to ensure that that uh, remains an accessible, critical capability for him. And, uh, you know, he's also recognized and made statements uh, on the flip side of this, too, um, and recognizing uh, the influence that uh, some uh, adversarial type of organizations have within the information uh, environment, namely uh, organizations like ISIS and, uh, and other state powers, actually. And actually, a month before that interview, uh, he went on for, for quite a while on this topic. Actually, it was a speech to, uh, to a veterans group, all focused on national security. Um, and he spent uh, his opening statement over 10 minutes talking all about cyber. And in that, he cited a, a number of very specific high-profile hacks, uh, including the compromise of uh, all of our security uh, clearance data and uh, against uh, numerous banks and uh, organizations in the private sector. Uh, he spoke about the various uh, nation states uh, where a lot of those threats are coming from and criminal organizations and proposed, actually, as far as the way ahead, really uh, visions for a whole-of-government approach leveraging both uh, industry and, uh, and the government at large, and in particular, uh, military response as well. And I'd just like to take a minute to, uh, to, to read an excerpt uh, from this speech uh, where that point is really driven home. <clears throat> I'd like to address one of the most important aspects of America's national security, and that's cybersecurity. To truly make America safe, we must make cybersecurity a major priority. As president, improving cybersecurity will be an immediate and top priority for my administration. The scope of our cybersecurity problem is enormous. Our government, our businesses, our trade secrets, and our citizens' most sensitive information are all facing constant cyber attack and review by the enemy. I'll make certain our military is the best in the world in both cyber offense and defense. I will also ask my Secretary of Defense and Joint Chiefs to present recommendations for strengthening and augmenting our cyber command. As a deterrent against attacks on our critical resources, the United States must possess and has to the unquestioned cap uh, capacity to launch crippling cyber counterattacks, and I mean crippling. This is the warfare of the future. America's dominance in this area must be unquestioned. Cybersecurity is not only a question of developing defensive technologies, but offensive technologies as well. We should turn cyber warfare into one of our greatest assets. After he got elected president in his very first 
official address. Uh, he laid out the priorities for his first uh, 100 days in office. And this was a very well-scripted, well-structured, uh, polished official statement that um, within the bureaucracy of the government uh, acts as a way to signal uh, to those uh, within the government, uh, policymakers and planners, uh, what those uh, priorities will be. For those with military experience, uh, you could think of a warning or a warning order uh, to let people know what's going to be coming down the pipe. Uh, that being said, um, it's significant that actually uh, he prioritizes cyber in that. Specif specifically, he says, on national security, I will ask the Department of Defense and Chairman of Joint Chiefs of Staff to develop a comprehensive plan to protect America's vital infrastructure from cyber attacks and all other form of attacks. Now, what's particularly noteworthy about uh, this statement right here is the order um, and how he refers to cyber attacks. So as he's using part of this statement to talk about national security, he is saying cyber attacks and all other form of attacks. That is uh, in stark contrast to uh, a lot of uh, other leadership and how we may have heard cyber referred to uh, in the past, whether in planning documents or, or again, uh, from national leadership, where one of numerous other priorities. Uh, the fact that he is calling that out and making it first cyber attacks and then all others is a very clear signal about the prioritization of, uh, of cyber in his administration. So then last year, uh, there was a publishing of the executive order focusing on cybersecurity, um, and it does a few things, uh, highlighting the need to, uh, to secure federal networks, encouraging collaboration with industry, strengthening coalitions, and focusing on a stronger cybersecurity workforce long term. Uh, for me in particular, um, I was very glad uh, personally to, to see the, this last part about strengthening the cybersecurity workforce. Um, as was mentioned in the introduction, uh, as the founder of the Military Cyber Professionals Association, which I founded because I recognized my own observations and experience that we have a very long way to go to get to where we need to be. Um, with regards to developing this community. Um, so the fact that it is called out and, uh, and prioritized here um, in this order and resourced is, uh, is extremely important. And part of the language that's used in this order um, that I, I really love is the word sustainable. So again, this is a, a long-term approach because it is, it's generational. Uh, people need to uh, start learning about cyber uh, much more earlier than, than we have been. Probably the most significant action to date so far um, was the president's decision to elevate uh, U.S. Cyber Command to the level of a unified combatant command, uh, which would be focused on cyberspace operations. Uh, for those uh, unfamiliar with terminology like unified combatant command, uh, I'll give you a little bit more background here. Um, so U.S. Cyber Command has, uh, since its founding um, about nine years ago, been uh, subordinate to U.S. Strategic Command. Uh, U.S. Strategic Command has been one of those unified commands. Um, they have a global area of responsibility for certain functions. Uh, Strategic Command in particular, um, they oversee uh, things like our nuclear arsenal and space. And amongst their various priorities, public priorities, Cyber was listed as, I think, number four or five in that. So this really elevates the importance of, uh, of cyber, putting it on that uh, senior tier 
uh, within the, the U.S. government and, uh, and security apparatus. Uh, the Unified Command Commanders report directly to uh, the Secretary of Defense and the President instead of going through uh, another commander such as uh, the STRATCOM commander, Strategic Command uh, Commander. A lot of the other uh, combat commanders are more geographic uh, focused in nature. For example, U.S. European Command or UCOM uh, has responsibility for uh, worrying about conflicts within that area of, of responsibility. But uh, like I mentioned, there are a few, like Cyber Command is about to become a functional combat command, uh, which um, SOCOM, uh, which is a U.S. Uh, Special Operations Command, they also are in, uh, in that category as well at that top tier um, to be able to, uh, to, to coordinate those types of operations globally. Um, <clears throat> this will also uh, not only allow them to, uh, to react uh, much more rapidly uh, by having uh, uh, the direct communication link uh, with the President and Secretary of Defense, uh, but this also helps a lot in how they can or organize internally. Um, they have a lot more control on personnel moves, uh, hiring and firing within their organization, and, um, and also the ability to, uh, to request more resources. Uh, and competing for resources at the national level is, uh, you know, in a fiscally constrained environment, which we'll always be in, um, that's very important to have a, a seat at the table and, and the ear of the president. Um, another thing that was mentioned in this decision statement by the president uh, was the consideration of the separation between U.S. Cyber Command and the National Security Agency, NSA. Um, I am personally uh, encouraged to see that. Um, since, uh, you know, from a phased approach, uh, since the founding of U.S. Cyber Command, I think it made sense uh, for sharing of resources and talent um, for uh, NSA and U.S. Cyber Com Command to, to be joined at the hip, essentially. Uh, that being said, as U.S. Cyber Command has uh, evolved and matured uh, over the years, I think the, the time is right uh, for it to be broken out and further optimized for its actual function. Um, so let's not forget that NSA is an intelligence organization and U.S. Cyber Command is an operational or warfighting organization, which may draw upon intelligence to use, but essentially that is a warfighting operational uh, organization. Uh, different missions uh, that should be optimized accordingly. So after a review of that evidence, uh, I think that we can, uh, we can distill a bit about uh, President Trump's uh, overall strategic approach uh, when it comes to cyber. Uh, the three-legged stool there for those who are educated at the, the war colleges in the United States and, and other strategic studies uh, might find that familiar. Uh, the symbol there is the balance between uh, three, three fields, uh, um, ends, ways, and means. And if one is out of balance, you need to balance it, otherwise there's a considerable amount of risk. Ends being our goals or objectives, the means is how we're going to achieve those, and of course, uh, I'm sorry, the ways, how we're going to achieve that, and then the means, of course, uh, the resources needed to do that. So that being said, to fill in the blanks there, if, uh, you know, as uh, President Trump had stated uh, for many years now, he'd like to see a stop to cyber-related attacks against the United States, and one way to do that is through deterrence, cyber and otherwise. And the means to be able to do that is a robust and capable U.S. Cyber Command. And that takes a lot of investment. 
and the investment not only in dollars but also personnel and uh, and time as well. Uh, so I'm glad that it's it's all being uh, prioritized. My uh, my prediction moving forward with uh, with further capabilities um, from U.S. Cyber Command is uh, is us moving to a more cyber first footing uh, with regards to how. Uh, those in the national security apparatus uh, want to solve a problem or, or approach a, a situation um, or achieve an objective. Uh, in the past, what we've seen are, is cyber taking a more uh, supporting uh, type of role uh, versus a more decisive <coughs> operations by maybe more traditional uh, sources of military strength or national power. Uh, moving forward, as cyber uh, capabilities become more capable and well exercised, um, I believe that we'll see that turning into a, a much more popular option. Um, and there are those who, uh, who have looked into this, like, for example, uh, Dr. Dorothy Denning, who's over at the Naval Postgraduate School, my alma mater, uh, who has actually made the case that uh, it's a more humane and, uh, and efficient and effective uh, direction to go in, <coughs> since a lot of times cyber operations uh, are less costly in terms of, uh, of lives and treasure. And that being said, uh, that is a conclusion of this little review of, uh, of evidence. So thank you very much.